I want to invite you to open your Bible to the book of Proverbs again. We started last Sunday evening, just a two-part sermon on effective communication. So Proverbs again, we're going to be paging to different verses in Proverbs on the topic of communication. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love to us, expressed and shown as we see on the Lord's table, prepared for us, as shown in the bread that is broken, and as shown in the fruit of the vine, where we remember then the broken body of our Lord Jesus Christ and the blood of Christ that was shed on Calvary. O Lord, help us to not take this lightly, to not view it cheaply, but to remember that Christ paid the ultimate sacrifice to save us from eternal judgment. I pray that you would please speak with us this evening from the book of Proverbs, for the glory of your beloved Son. Amen. Yesterday, I went out evangelizing, took a couple of tracts, and two of my children went with me, and I spoke to a Muslim, but his his English is so bad, we couldn't communicate. So I asked him, what, what do you believe, what happens when you die? He couldn't even understand that question, so I explained I said, will you go to heaven? And he didn't understand. And then I thought, well, Muslims probably speak of paradise. So I said, uh, will you go to paradise? And he couldn't understand. Then he said, oh, oh, paralyze, paralyze. I said, no, not paralyze, paradise. But he didn't understand, so I gave up. I once uh, shared the gospel with a a man from, uh, I think, probably Ivory Coast, or one of the French-speaking countries in West Africa. And I said to him, uh, do you speak English? And he said, mm, a bit a lit. <laughs> so obviously, I, re- I realized immediately this guy doesn't speak much, much English. But it's not only a difference in language that causes us to misunderstand other people. There are some other factors also, and that's why Scripture has a lot to say about communication. So even in the same language, we misunderstand each other. To tell you the truth, the whole of Scripture is is communication. It's God's Word. It's God speaking. Jesus is the Word. He reveals the Father to us. And so one of the ways, if you're going to be like Jesus... One of the ways you're going to do that is by communicating biblically. So how do we do that? Well, last week we already looked at four principles of biblical communication, of effective communication. First of all, we said, I said last week, uh, begin with a heart or start with your heart. Because Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever you say is an overflow of the heart. And so you need a new heart if you want to communicate publicly. Second, I said uh, last week, 
learn to listen. Because you're not going to speak correctly or speak biblically, communicate biblically if you don't understand what the other person is saying. So make sure you understand. Listen. And then I also said last week, read between the lines. In other words, nonverbal communication. Pick that up. Body language, facial expressions, uh, tone of voice, uh, the volume of the person's voice, and other ways of nonverbal communication. And then finally, last week I said, uh, don't, sp don't speak too little. Use enough words. So you can't be quiet. You can't be the kind of person you never talk in company. You're too afraid to talk because God also commands you to build one another up, to build each other up, to encourage other people. And how are you going to do that unless you use words? Now tonight we're going to look at seven more principles. Um, for tonight then, I'm just continuing from last, from last week, I did one to four. Number five, number five then tonight, we start there. Don't talk too much. So not only don't talk too little, but now don't talk too much. When I was in high school, a girl three years older than me, and I talked a lot, and I still do, and uh, but that time, at that stage, much more. But this woman, she said, do you know how Ivor's voice broke? How did his voice break? It's because he spoke too much and it broke in half. <laughs> well, I'm glad to say that my wife has helped me a lot in that so that I don't talk as much as I used to. Uh, talking too much can destroy families. Uh, Proverbs 10. You'll turn there. Proverbs 10 verse 8. The wise of heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. Verse 10. Whoever winks the eye causes trouble, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. You will ruin your own life. Uh, I saw that once with a woman. She could talk uh, easy. Easy for her to talk for an hour, an hour and a half on the phone, just calling you and chatting to you, just talking away. And talking and talking and talking and talking all the time. And it drove her husband away. That was one of the reasons perhaps uh, just brought ruin, as this verse says. Wayne Mack tells a story in one of his books of a guy he calls Jim, obviously not the guy's real name, in a counseling situation where the guy, he tape recorded the guy with the guy's permission, saying, I just want to show you something. And how this guy just talked and talked and talked, as Wayne Mack calls, us, calls it overtalk, just talking all the time. And he said to the guy, do you hear this? And then he made the guy read this verse, the babbling fool will come to ruin. The guy just burst out laughing, but a laughter of this is true and I'm embarrassed. He said, look at what I've done. I've driven away my kids. They don't want to be home. I've ruined my marriage. I've destroyed my life just by talking all the time and not stopping. So your chances of sinning and of getting yourself into trouble if you talk a lot is just so much more. So be wise. Be wise and restrain your words. Hold back your words and keep quiet at the appropriate times. Chapter 10, verse 19. Where words are many, transgression is not lacking. In other words, if your words are many, your chances are easier to sin. Whoever restrains his lips, hold backs, holds back his words, is prudent. That's someone who looks 
ahead. He's got foresight and he can see, you know, if I'm going I'm to keep on talking here. I'm going to get myself into trouble by the stuff I say. Chapter 11, verse 12. Whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding remains silent. He knows, don't talk too much. Chapter 17, verse 27 and 28. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge. He who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. In other words, if you can't. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Chapter 21, verse 23. Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. So don't be the fool. The fool, it's a foolish person who just speaks all his mind. He says everything, what he, want, everything he wants to say. It's the fool who says, I speak my mind. I call a spade a spade. Chapter 29, verse 11. A fool, a fool gives full vent to his spirit. So everything he wants to say, he just says it. But a wise man quietly holds it back. So the Bible says, if you, if you just talk without thinking, you are evil. You are wicked. You are a fool. Chapter 15, verse 28. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. And besides, if you talk too much, if you just keep on babbling away, People switch off. They, they don't listen to you. They give you the blank stare. They're not listening to what you're saying because you talk too much. Now, many people, uh, it's not that they, they talk nonstop, but there are other ways in which they talk too much. For instance, they take over conversations. Or they finish your sentence for you. They don't allow you to finish your story. They chip in. They jump in. Or they just, they answer for you. So someone asks you, so tell me about your job, and then they jump in. Oh, he's a pastor. Or tell me about your family. Oh, he's got three kids and uh, he's been married, what's it, 17 years? And they, they just jump in and answer for you. And they, it's like they want to try and say, oh, this is what he really means. Or you might answer, you might say, yeah, I'm a pastor, um, and... I love my job, I love the Lord, and I love serving people and sharing the gospel. And then someone will chip in, no, 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 what he actually means is, and like they know what you mean. I remember doing it to someone else once. There was a guy, and I counseled him, I helped him with some issue he had in his life. And then one of the issues he did have is talking too little. This guy was ashamed and embarrassed and afraid and now to talk in front of people. And so someone would ask and because he took too long to answer, I would answer for him. And he rebuked me for it very nicely saying, yes, you answer. When someone asks me a question, you answer for me. And I, I didn't realize that, but then I saw when he told me and I had to ask his forgiveness and work on the problem in my own life. Or another way of people um, when people talking too much. I got the the overtalk and the undertalk. I learned a lot from Wayne Mack, by the way. So another way of talking too much is you always talk about one thing. You've all you've got this hobby horse, and that's the only thing you talk about. You keep on hammering the same thing again and again. Every conversation, every bri, every Bible study, 
Uh, every time after church when we have tea, you talk about the same thing. That's a way of talking too much. Or you're always preaching at people. You're always talking down to them. So everything in your conversation is always this heavy subject. We must always be serious. We can never laugh. We can never be lighthearted and just enjoy a good chat and a good talk. Or you talk about yourself all the time. So everything, yes, yes, I want to tell you something that happened to me. But it's always you. It's always you. Always me and me this and me that and I this and I that and myself. Or you want to force your opinion on other people. Everyone must agree with you. And you keep on until they agree with you. Or you just talk, you just talk, it's like you're walking over people with your words. You don't even give them a turn to finish their sentence. You just start talking. They haven't even done you. That's talking too much. And some people do that because they want to show how much they know. They know everything about everything. Or they want to be the center of attention. I remember doing that as a, as a teenager. I talked a lot because I want to be funny and everyone should laugh at me. I want to be the center of attention. Or maybe you're afraid if, if you don't talk all the time and someone else gets a gap, they're going to change the subject and they're going to talk about something you know nothing about and then you won't be able to talk. Or maybe you're afraid of silence. You're afraid you don't want to be quiet in the room, so you just start talking and just talking nonsense, just talking for the sake of talking. Some people are, they're lonely. And they're with themselves all the time, all day, and as soon as they are among other people, they talk all the time. Because they're so lonely, now they have an opportunity to talk, and so they can talk. Or perhaps, this you'll also find, some people talk a lot, because no one listens to them. It's the, the youngest kid in the house. No one ever listens to him. You're the little one, keep quiet. Or he talks and they just ignore him. And so that's why he talks, because no one's hearing, no one's listening. But to talk a lot, that's not the solution. Um, it, put, it puts people off if you talk a lot. And they start avoiding you. Like a pastor I know, he had to say that to one of his church members once. He said to this church member, do you know why people avoid you? Because you talk all the time. People don't want to be around someone who talks all the time. They avoid you. They say, okay, I need to go. And they're looking for a gap just to get away from you. And that really, it, it was sharp words, but it helped that church member. And he could start working on the issue. So in order to work on the issue, pray. Pray over the matter. Ask the Lord, Lord, help me. Help me. And then be accountable to someone. You know, my, my wife at a stage, she helped me with this. So it wasn't only in my teenage years that I talked too much. But even recently and perhaps even now at times. But she would just wink at me in a conversation. And she told me once, she says, you don't realize how much you talk. How you take over a conversation. And I think it's probably also just pride in my own heart. But she said, all right, I'll wink at you when we're visiting people and, and it happens. And you just start chattering away and you're talking all the time. And she did that a number of times. She winked at me and I realized, I didn't even realize how much I'm talking. And she did the same with one of my kids who talked too much. And actually with all of our kids, 
she, there were times she would say, right, stop talking now. No talking for the next 20 minutes. We would even do this in the car. <laughs> when we were going on holiday, she would say, right, quiet to the kids. No talking, no children allowed to talk for the next 20 minutes. Just to help these kids to teach them. And she even told them this. People don't want to be around people who talk too much. People are going to avoid you. You won't have friends. If you're someone you talk all the time. So ask yourself the question then. Is it necessary for me to say this? Do I have to say this now? Or can I just say, no, keep quiet. Do I have to be funny? I have to be funny. Everyone needs to laugh at me. Do I have to be the center of attention, the center of the conversation? So I'd suggest you memorize Proverbs 10 verse 8, where it says, The wise of heart will receive commandments. In other words, a wise person listens, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. A fool talks all the time. A wise person knows how to listen. So memorize that verse and then recite the verse when you're tempted to talk. When you're tempted to talk too much, to say, huh? zip your lips, a babbling fool will come to ruin. And remember what, what Thomas Watson said, the English preacher in the 1600s. He said, God has given you two lips. He's given you lips and teeth as a fence in front of your mouth to keep your tongue inside. So that's number five going on from last week then. Number six. Think before you speak. My one of my counseling lecturers once told the story of a woman who really spoke too much uh, and also just spoke. She, she would just talk. She didn't think before she talked. And she even bragged about it, saying, I say what I want to say. I don't beat around the bush. And so the my lecturer said to her, so you mean you, you are wicked? She said, what? He said, you mean you are wicked because you just speak. You, don't, you just say what you want to say. Because, and then he read Proverbs. She said, what do you mean? And he read Proverbs 15 verse 28. The righteous, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer. But the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. You don't think before you speak. You just say what you want to say. And so this verse says, you are wicked. And she was taken aback. The wind was taken out of her sails and she said, wow, she never saw it that way. And then he could help her how to speak biblically and communicate biblically. So instead of saying what that woman said, rather say, you know, I'm going to think about what you said to me and then I'll come back to you. Instead of just talking and saying what you want to say without thinking. And later on, you, you're sorry for what you said and you're ruining yourself by just talking without thinking. Proverbs 6 verse 2. If you are snared in the words of your mouth or caught in the words of your mouth, you're going you're gonna to be snared or caught in the words of your mouth. You're going to be sorry if you just talk without thinking. Proverbs 13 verse 3. Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. There's more hope for a fool than for someone who talks without thinking. Proverbs 29, verse 20. Do you see a, a man hasty, who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. So don't make, for instance, don't make promises too quickly. 
Yes, I promise I'll do this or I'll do that. Yes, I'll do this for you. And you make these big promises that you can't keep. Proverbs 20, verse 25. It is a snare to say rashly. Rashly means just saying it uh, without thinking. It's a snare to say rashly, it is holy. So I'm going to give this to the Lord. And to reflect only after making vows. Thinking, ooh, I can't do this. I must still pay this and still pay that. It's almost like Jephthah in the book of um, Judges, Judges chapter 11, where Jephthah makes this vow. Lord, I promise if you give me victory over my enemies, the first thing that comes out of my house when I get home after the war, I'll sacrifice to you. And the first thing that comes out is his only daughter. He hasn't got another child. And so he sacrifices his daughter, which was a, a foolish thing to do. He shouldn't have made a rash vow, shouldn't have made a rash vow, an empty promise, but he shouldn't have kept that wicked promise that he made. He should have confessed his sin and asked God rather to bring it on him than on his child. I remember doing a thing like that when I was 12 years old. We had like a fun run at school, like these park runs they have. And you could sponsor someone and say, right, I'll sponsor you 10 cents a kilometer, it's five kilometers. So all these kids, because I was a people pleaser, I wanted them to like me. I made this promise that that I'll sponsor you two rand a kilometer. They said, you're crazy. Two rand in 1988 was a lot of money. Or was it 1991? I was 12. And so it was a lot of money that time. Two rand a kilometer. And so that was all my savings I had to pay because I promised all these kids I'm going to... But I, I couldn't pay it. My mother phoned the teacher. She, she said, my son was foolish. He doesn't have this money. And please... Just ignore the stupid stuff he said. So that was a rash vow. That was a rash promise. Yes, I'll do this. And that also goes for the marriage promise. When you stand in front of the, the pulpit and you promise till death do us part, think carefully before you just make a vow. Or you promise your kids, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to take you on this holiday. I'm going to buy you this ice cream. I'll be at your prize giving. I'm going to... And you, you don't keep the, the promise. Number seven, do not flatter people. Last year, my family and I took a, a couple of days break. We went to a game farm, uh, visiting friends. And on the way there, we hit a roadblock. And at the roadblock, there were people selling stuff. And one of the guys was selling hats. But my window was closed, and I thought, I'm not going to open my window. I don't want to buy something from this guy. And the guy stopped at the, the bonnet of my car, right at the hood, pointing to, to my badge, my VW badge. And I thought, something's wrong. I opened my window, and that was his trick to talk to me. So he says, ah, VW, VW, my dream machine, Michael Schumacher. And he starts kissing my, my side mirror. Uh, this is my dream car. And he looks into the car and he sees my wife. Ah, your wife looks like Sandra Bullock. You look like Tom Cruise. <laughs> You're just talking nonsense, flattering us. Why? In order to sell his stuff. And he did sell. <laughs> he got it right because I said, no, thank you. No, it's for free for you today. So it's free. And he puts it in the car. And, and then, then I say, all right, okay, I don't want it. Okay, in the end, thanks, thanks. Oh, man, my kids are hungry. Haven't you got some donation for me? In the end, we pay 50 bucks. I don't even think their hat was worth 50, 50 rand. <laughs> That's flattery. 
So people flatter. Many people flatter. You take young men, flattering young girls. They promise them the moon and the sun and the stars and the world. You must sleep with me, have sex with me, and I promise we'll be happy together, happy forever. But it's all lies. It's all flattery. Proverbs 5 verse 3 speaks of the adulterous woman. The lips of the forbidden woman drip, honey. Her speech is smoother than oil. Proverbs 7 verse 15 so now I've, this woman says to the man, I've come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly. I found you. She's lying. She's not interested in him. She just wants sex. She doesn't care who it, who, who it is. Verse 21, with much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. Proverbs 22, verse 14. The mouth of forbidden women is a deep pit. He with whom the Lord is angry will fall into it. Her mouth is a deep pit. She's the flatterer. So it's Satan's snare, this flattery, because he wants to destroy you. That's what flattery does. Proverbs 26, verse 28. A lying tongue hates hates its victims and a flattering mouth works ruin. Proverbs 29 verse 5. A man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. So don't listen to flatterers and don't flatter other people. Number eight, speak the truth. And remember we can take these principles and apply them to all of life in terms of communication, but I'm limiting it to marriage and family. Speak the truth. Some people, when they lie, it is as easy for them as breathing. It's, it's as natural as breathing. I know a guy like that. I've known him for many, many years. <clears throat> More than 40. <coughs> and this guy is such a liar. He, it's, it's really like breathing. He will say, he will talk nonsense, absolute nonsense, and say it with a straight face. Things like, yes, I ran the 100 meters in um, 9.9 seconds. And, and, and this, or let's say in 10.3 seconds. But he's 14 years old um, at that stage. Or he would say, yes, the other day I hit six sixes in a cricket match, in a row, six sixes in one over. Or he'll say, yeah, I drove a Ferrari the other day. Just a friend of mine just said, hey, take my keys. Here's my Ferrari. But he's lying. He doesn't know someone with a Ferrari. Uh, Proverbs 14 verse 5. A faithful witness does not lie, but a false witness breathes out lies. Verse 25. A truthful witness saves lives, but one who breathes out lies is deceitful. It's as easy as breathing to them. For instance, in in business, you see how many people lie and how easy it is for people to lie. You see it all the time, just lying to you, telling you fibs, blatant liars. Proverbs 21 verse 6, the getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a snare of death. How often have you seen this? You do business with someone, they're dishonest, they lie, they cheat. I, did, I saw this last week, in this week, 
to tell you the truth. In this week, I phoned. My shocks need to be replaced, and now there are other parts I didn't know I need. So I phoned one shop. I said, what's the price? They say six sixty-five each. I said, goodness, that's a lot of money. So I think now I'll phone another place. Exactly the same place. This is a franchise. I'm just phoning another branch. One, the one was in Kempton. Now I'm phoning another branch. What's the price on this? Oh, seven forty-five each. I said, goodness, that's a lot of money. Okay, okay, we can do it for you, uh, six sixty-five. And eventually, I go back to the first place that charged me six sixty-five. I go and buy the parts, and I say, man, this is a lot of money. Can't you give me a discount? Okay. Immediately, they give me they give me more than two hundred rand discount. So this is cheating. They are just cheating. And this is the salesman. This is not even the manager saying, all right, we'll give you a discount, or the owner of the shop. Liars. And God hates lying. He hates it. Proverbs 6, verse 16 and 17. There are six things that God hates. Seven things that are an abomination to Him. And then one of the things is a lying tongue. And then skip down to 6, 19, 6 verse 19. Another thing God hates, a false witness who breathes out lies. Proverbs 12 verse 22. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. It's detestable. It's hateful to God. But those who act faithfully are His delight. So God hates lying. Why? Because God has made you in His image. And if you reflect God's image and you lie, you are saying the God who made me is a liar. And God is not a liar. God is truth. Let everyone be a liar, but let God be true, though every man be a liar. Romans 3 verse 4. God is not like man. God does not lie. Numbers 23 verse 19. And then someone who lies also causes trouble. He causes fighting. Proverbs 16, verse 28. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. So gossip and lying will break up friendships. Gossip and lying will cause trouble in relationships. And so God will punish you. God will cause your lie to be exposed. He will expose your lie. He will show that you're a liar. And you will make sure that you bear the consequences if you keep on lying, if you don't repent of your lying. You will bear the consequences now, and you will bear the consequences in hell if you do not repent. Proverbs 12, verse 19. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. God's going to bring out the lie, in other words. Proverbs 17, verse 20. <coughs> A man of crooked heart does not discover good, and one with a dishonest tongue falls into calamity. You're going to get into trouble if you have a dishonest tongue. Proverbs 19, verse 5. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who breathes out lies will not escape. Proverbs 19, verse 9. A false witness will not go unpunished, he who breathes out lies will perish. Proverbs 21. Skip to Proverbs 21, verse 28. A false witness will perish, but a word of a man who hears will endure. And then Revelation 21, verse 8, that says, Liars, their portion will be in the lake of fire. So are you a liar? Are you a liar? 
You promise to do things that you don't do. I will do this, but you never do it. Proverbs 25 verse 14. Like clouds and wind without rain is a man who boasts of a gift he does not give. I'm going to give you this. I'll do this for you. I'm coming to help you with this. And you, you, you don't keep your promise. You're a liar. Or you lie to hurt other people or to break them down or to damage their reputation. Proverbs 25 verse 18. A man who bears false witness against his neighbor is like a war club or a sword or a sharp arrow. You're hurting people. Or maybe you're an exaggerator. You exaggerate. I always have to make the bed. You never make the bed. You never help with the dishes. You never do this. You never do that. That's exaggeration. That's lying. Or when your wife asks you or your husband asks you, what's wrong? Is something bothering you? How do you answer them? Do you lie? Do you say to them, no, nothing's wrong. But actually something is wrong. You're telling a lie. Then confess your lies. Confess your lies and pray against lying. Proverbs 30 verse 8. He prays, remove far from me falsehood and lying. Proverbs 28 verse 13. Whoever hides his sin will not prosper. He who confesses and forsakes his sins will obtain mercy. Number nine. Stay away from gossip. Or avoid gossip. Avoid gossiping. I read a, a short book on the tongue by a pastor from the East Bloc European countries, Simo Ralevich, or Ralevich, I don't know how to pronounce that. I think Ralevich, perhaps. But he, he said this this is a good quote. Quote, he speaks of people who gossip. He says, their coffee is not sweet unless somebody is condemned over it. In other words, the coffee tastes so much nicer when you're busy gossiping about someone. So you meddle, you meddle in other people's business. You split on their secrets. You tell their secrets. Now, I'm not talking about sin. Sin should never be kept secret. I'm talking about they share something confidential with you, and then you go and you share it with everyone else either by talking too much on a phone or by sending it on WhatsApp or on Facebook or you visit from house to house and you sit there drinking coffee or tea and you're gossiping. Proverbs 11, verse 13. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. Uh, Peter has, says the same thing in the New Testament, speaks of these kinds of people. Um, don't lose your place in Proverbs. I'm just going to read to you 1 Peter 4 verse 15. Peter speaks of people, let none of you suffer, he's talking about persecution, let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a meddler. A meddler is someone, you're meddling in other people's business. You're sticking your nose into other people's business. It's got nothing to do with you. So the way to conquer the sin is avoid people who talk too much. Proverbs 20, verse 19. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a simple babbler. People who just talk all the time. Avoid them. Because they're going to they're tell your secrets. So, if, if that's the case with you, that gossip, you, you love gossip. It's like candy to your ears. It's like chocolate to your ears. You just want to hear more. Tell me more. Yes, what happened? What did she say? And then what did you do? Proverbs 18 verse 8 warns against this. 
The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels, delicious pieces of food. They go down into the inner parts of the body. Proverbs 26 verse 22 says exactly the same. So if you someone, you love hearing gossip. The reason you love hearing gossip is because you yourself are a gossip. You yourself gossip. That's why you like it when other people tell you stories. Proverbs 17 verse 4. An evildoer listens to wicked lips and a liar gives ear to a mischievous tongue. So you should know and understand. Understand that, that not only if you love hearing gossip, it means you are a gossip, but also remember this. If people gossip about others to you, they are also gossiping of you to other people. You can, you can mark that down. A, friend, a wise friend once said to Wayne Mack, the dog that will bring a bone will carry a bone as well. Oh, I brought you a bone, master. Yes, he's going to carry a bone also. He's going to carry some news of you to other people. So put gossip to death. It destroys relationships, it breaks up friendships, and it just causes fights. Proverbs 16 verse 28. A dishonest man spreads strife, a whisperer separates close friends. Proverbs 17 verse 9. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Proverbs 26, verse 20 and 21. For lack of wood the fire goes out, and where there is no whisperer quarreling ceases. As charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so a quarrelsome man is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. And then verse 22, the words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. So people who gossip, they break up friendships. They cause a rift between friends and they cause fights. And I've seen this. I've seen this many times in my ministry. I've seen this with people who've been, they've been best friends and someone comes and they gossip and they destroy that friendship. So if you're a gossip, then you need to pray with David in Psalm 141. Psalm 141 verse 3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. And you need to start speaking things that are upbuilding, that build people up, that encourage people and not break them down. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 where Paul says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who who hear. Number 10, speak gentle words. Uh, an, an older pastor once said to me about a younger pastor, and the younger pastor is my friend, and he said to me, I love that guy. That guy, you know, when he speaks to you and also when he preaches, it's like he just puts his hand on your shoulder gently, just gently, and saying, can I help you? So those kinds of words, gentle words, it, it helps it helps to calm people down. It's, a mu it's much better to convince people to get something done and to do something by being gentle than by swearing and shouting and breaking them down and threatening them and using harsh language. Proverbs 15 verse 1. A soft answer turns away wrath, and a, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 16 verse 21. The wise of heart is called discerning, and sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. 
Verse 23, the heart of the wise makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. You're going to persuade people to do things by being gentle, not by shouting and fighting and threatening and swearing. So gentle words, it, it helps relationships, it builds relationships, and it also brings healing to the spirit, to the soul, but also to the body even. And it overcomes, it overcomes resistance. Proverbs 16, verse 24. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Proverbs 25, verse 15. With patience a ruler may be persuaded, and a soft tongue will break a bone. What does that mean? It means by gentle words you can, you can accomplish the impossible. And finally, number 11, speak on the right, at the right time. Speak at the right time or the right moment. So a pastor once told me, this was back in 2007, he said he had this church member who would call him every morning when the guy goes to work, the guy leaves for work, and he says, Hey, pastor, just checking that you're up and ready for the day. And this pastor had the habit of working till 2 in the morning and then only going to bed at 2 o'clock and then arising at 7 in the morning. And so one morning at 2 o'clock, he phones this man. He says, hey, I'm just checking uh, if everything's fine, if you're still awake, because I'm going to bed now. <laughs> yeah, it's not quite a blessing if someone says the right words to you at the wrong time. So we want to talk at the right time. Talk, talk as fits the occasion. As I read in Proverbs, uh, Ephesians 4.29 just now. As fits the occasion. And also in Proverbs. Proverbs 15 verse 23. To make an apt answer is a joy to a man. A word in season. How good it is. Proverbs 25 verse 11. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. And then 27 verse 14. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice, rising early in the morning, will be counted as cursing. Good morning, pastor. You'll wake up the poor guy. And then in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 7, it says there's a time to talk. And a time to keep quiet. So you must know when's the appropriate time. And so it also works with rebuke. Um, Proverbs 25 verse 12. Like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. So for instance, don't rebuke someone right before the, the worship service starts. They're not going to think of the sermon. They won't concentrate during the scripture reading and prayer and singing. Or you... you you rebuke someone and you know he just heard this morning that his father died. And now you rebuke him about something he did wrong. Yes, maybe he should be rebuked and he should be rebuked for his sin, but this is the wrong time. Or you rebuke him in front of other people. Sometimes it's necessary, but many times you shouldn't. So if you, if you use your words biblically and you choose your words, these are the right words at the right time, you will become a better communicator. And you will strengthen relationships instead of breaking relationships down. And conflict will not be as 
regular in your family or in your marriage. It'll change. There will be peace in your house. And the communication will deepen that it's not just cliche level. Oh, good morning. And that's it. Or just chit-chat. No, there'll be deep conversation and building of relationships, encouraging one another, sharing your heart, and even disagreeing in love without, without getting into a fight because we disagree. No, we can agree to disagree, and there's still love and peace. So think very carefully before you speak. What you say, how you say it, when you say it. Because your words, it can build people up or it can hurt people. Like in Proverbs 12, verse 18, we read, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 15, verse 4, A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in the tongue breaks the spirit. Proverbs 16, verse 27, A worthless man plots evil and his speech is like a scorching fire. It's like fire. You're destroying people. Or in the book of James, you find um, the same thing. James chapter 3, verse 5 to 8. So also the tongue is a small member, yet boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. The tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. And then it says you can tame any creature but verse 8, the human, no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. You can really hurt and destroy people with your tongue. And in the end, although you destroy other people with your tongue, in the end, you will be the one eating the good or the bad fruit, picking the good or the bad fruit of those words that you have sown with your words, with your tongue. And that's what Solomon means in Proverbs 18, verse 6 and, uh, verse, uh, 6 and 7. A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. You will cause trouble for yourself in the end with your tongue. Verse 20 and 21. From the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruits. In other words, you are going to eat your own words. If you talk nonsense or talk evil things, you're going to eat the fruit. Or if you talk good things, you're going to eat the good fruit. What you sow, you will reap. And so you'll be like the two fruit trees in my backyard. One of the fruit trees, every December, they are wonderful, sweet plums. And the other tree, it's got little plums. These little plums, and they sour, they never get ripe. Or they hardly ever get ripe. And so just like that, the quality of the fruit, the quality of the tree is shown by the fruit. And so in the same way, on Judgment Day, what your words, what you say with your words will be shown. Uh, it will show what is really in your heart. So your words, ask yourself the question, your words, what do they say about your heart? Does it show that your heart is full of sin or does it show that Jesus has changed your heart? Matthew 12, verse 37. By your words you will be justified, or by your words you will be condemned. And perhaps the Lord has brought you under conviction this evening and shown you that your wrong words 
shows that your heart is not right before God. And God has shown you your, your religion is worthless. means nothing. Because James 1.26 says, if you can't control your words, your religion is worthless. And perhaps for the very first time, you've seen your heart. And it's worse than you think. Well, I want to tell you, don't despair. God can change you. That's why Jesus died on the cross. Not only to wash your mouth, but to give you a new heart. And to change you into a new person. In other words, he doesn't just pick the rotten fruit and replace the rotten fruit of your wrong words, but he, he plants a whole new tree. Do you believe this? And if you do, then come to him and ask him to make you into a new creation. Heavenly Father, please help your children and help those who have been brought under conviction this evening. And change not their words, first of all, but their hearts, so that from the hearts good words will come. And we will have God-honoring communication in our marriages and families. In Jesus' name, Amen.